You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Oh my god. It's never going to die. The west side of Chicago is the barren's part of town. Sing along, Marty, you know you want to. Oh, consolation marty tart thinks it's the greatest thing ever it's small consolation but consolation nonetheless hello welcome to ford lord this is roger coming to you on monday the 18th of june we are going to be doing our part two of e3 and trying desperately to keep it at least under two hours (laughs) that took a long fucking time to edit that last one that said though we still have a lot of games to go over plus since that first episode of course we found out more about uh, some of the titles that were announced or that we got some news about early on well we got more news as with cyberpunk so we're going to go over some of those and then there's some of our favorites like spider-man that we will probably gush about for a little while so Right around the time that we recorded last week was when the PC gaming show was taking place. Uh, I watched it. I'm assuming, Joe, you probably did not. Uh, Not really, no. No. Marty, did you get a chance to watch it? No, it's been a very busy week. That's all right. It's, It's an interesting presser because I've watched each one since they started doing it. And I kind of like the blend of hardware and software. I should say um, hardware and games. That said, the hardware aspects have always felt very much like a sales pitch and less like, you know, reviews or things like that. So it's not as enjoyable, but I don't mind it. The only problem, of course, is, well, problem depending on who you are. Sean plot isn't for everybody. And I find that his cadence can really get on your nerves after a while. And I found especially the uh, female co-host that he had, the, the British woman, oh, after a while she got annoying as fuck too. So it was a little painful to watch. But in terms of content, holy fucking hell did they ever bring it. Like there were a ton of games there and many of which I had not heard about before. And some of them that I now think of as, yeah, I'm going to be picking that up right away as soon as it comes out. So we'll go over some of them. Again, I I don't know how many of these you guys will have heard of otherwise, but we'll go through some of them. So they started off with, uh, uh, I guess the easiest way to describe it would be to say like a sim planet. Essentially, you are going to a planet, you are then setting up a essentially kind of like a production line and a factory to get as much of the resources as you can from the planet. So basically picture what happens in Mass Effect when you go and you raid a planet for its resources, only this is what actually happens. (laughs) So they're setting up tracks, they're setting up different things, and they're getting all of the resources. It was, it, it looked good, but it's very much just a Sims game. And again, I don't, no, no point spending too much time on it. Did either of you see the trailer for Neocab? No. Marty? Nope, I don't think I did. Okay, because that one I did happen to see in a couple other places as well. And that was very interesting. It's, um, it, it almost looks like a visual novel, um, like uh, that cyberpunk um, bar game that we played last year. Of course, now I can't remember the name of it. 
it that kind of look very stylized colors neon colors of course and things like that with a comic book style to it complete with panels and word bubbles at times and things like that or narration bubbles and and things like that but it there is a mystery going on and you are picking up people and you're again like the bartender in that cyberpunk game you're listening to the conversations you're listening to them you're striking up conversations and kind of piecing together uh, a mystery it sounds like really freaking cool and as long as it's not too high priced it's definitely the kind of game that like i i will pick up immediately to play looks super cool then we had uh maverick's proving grounds which is basically a, a battle royale battle royale game great art style it was it was really cool, looked interesting, but again, it's yet another Royale game in a sea of incoming Royale games. There was Forgotten City, which is based on mod, looked very cool. Um, interesting kind of concepts as well. Not much to say about it right now, but I am looking forward to seeing uh, what's going to happen when it comes out. One of the games that I thought that you might like Marty, possibly because you like Stellaris, is Star Control Origins, which is yet another space kind of one. And it is, you're exploring solar planets and whatnot. It feels very much like if Pixar and Star Trek got together. Like, very much like that. And it was cool as fuck. You're exploring, it, they said, I believe, like thousands of planets you can explore looked cool as hell it's an open universe uh action rpg you can mod it as well <laughs> and they point Ooh. blank made the point that if you want to mod it to be firefly you can mod this to be your firefly game oh son of a bitch my notes are quite literally in caps Oh my God, can mod with Firefly. Oh my God, oh my God. And then the information <laughs> when it's coming out. So make of that what you will. But yeah, it's coming out on the 20th of September, like right around the corner. And I'm getting this fucking game. There was Hunt Showdown, which looked really, really quite cool. An old style, old kind of weapons and stuff like that. Again, not much to say about it, but it, it did look cool. Uh, some more about Archangel, but... I don't think any of us play that game. There was the next one that was interesting was called the sinking city. And if I'm not mistaken, these are the people who made the recent uh, Sherlock games and it looks very much like those, but this is basically an open world investigation in, and it, the world is inspired by Lovecraft. Like Joe, this is right up your fucking alley. Yeah, I, I was looking at that. It, it definitely has all of the, uh, the. I guess Lovecrafting is the best way to describe it. It has all those vibes that I just dig. Yeah, and the sanity mechanic that's in the game as well. And then you're, be it the hallucinations or the sound gets distorted and things like that too. And, and what I really like too is that the game isn't about fighting. They give you the tools to fight and skills to survive. But it's not a, a fighting game per se. It's use your wits and your intuition. Like there were so many things that they were saying about this that was hitting on everything for me. And it was like, yeah, this sounds really fucking cool. And I feel like that's an important part of like anything that you're going to do that's going to be Lovecraftian at all is it can't it can't fall into the trap that Silent Hill did where it became very combat oriented because then you lose that feel of sort of fear like you you lose that fear for your character whereas you know when you're just an average person dealing with extraordinary things uh that fucks with your brain and makes you question everything you're seeing it's better to you know air have a game that airs on the flight side of fight or flight well it's not just that i again any game that I mean, I it's hard to tell here how much you can use guns or, or things like that to fight. But a game that tries at least its best to stray away from the traditional, here's a gun, go shoot this many people, and instead goes, use your brain, figure this out, and, and you'll be able to get through. 
that's what I want. And we need more games like that, which isn't to say there's something wrong with shooters. There isn't. It's just when that is the go-to mechanic for damn near all games, then we have a problem. Then, then you need to think outside of that box. So this kind of thing, seriously fucking dig it. Yeah, and then you get the sanity mechanic. It sounds like it, it is a new way to deal with health. Um, and also, like, if you're fighting chthonic forces, I don't care what you got, it shouldn't work. Like, you just, uh, you have to be more clever than the old gods for it to work. And that's a very dangerous proposition. So that does sound like a fun one. Yeah. There were some Sega little clips, not much from it, including some Yakuza stuff that's going to be coming, which it's going to make some people very excited. Yes, looking at you, Sushi. Um, some Killing Floor 2 stuff that's going to be coming as well, which that's a fun game. It's It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun with throwing in some robots and shit too, and you're on a it's, Zeppelin. Well, it, it, the, the interesting thing for this one, I actually play a lot of Killing Floor 2, um, and I play a lot of Killing Floor 2 with my local gaming group. It's sort of like we do uh, what we call maintenance every year. Where every month of May we do an event that's centered around Killing Floor Two, but this was really exciting because it's a huge airship map. Um, it's continuing the story of one of the other maps, which is usually unheard of in this game. Basically, like while there's an overarching story, it's just usually just horde combat, which is cool. Brand new zombie or Zeds, as they're called in the game, with new abilities. Uh, the robots that all have unique abilities, and the interesting thing that I thought about it was. Unlike Zeds, you blow off a head, it ain't going to die. Like, you have to do massive amounts of damage to the robots in order to do so. And the fact that it's on an airship, and and while it's massive, it's still restrictive in its way, is really, really cool. It adds a whole bunch of new extra flavor and to, to that map and to that gameplay. I'm actually really excited for it. I did think the Zeppelin was a pretty cool location for it, for sure, yeah. Did either of you see the trailer for Maneater? No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> this is the game of E3. Bar none. This is the game that they called, instead of an RPG, it's a shark BG. Yeah. You play as a shark. You are swimming around the Gulf Coast... It is straight up jaws at points. You you have a skill tree <laughs> that you could put points into so that you can jump out of the water higher, so that you have a better bite, I believe, stuff like that. It, there's a single-player campaign. You are terrorizing people at the beach and everything. It sounded not just hysterical, but it actually looked like it would be a ton of fun. Shark PG people. Shark. Shark PG. I'm I'm down. I'm down. Uh, what do we got next? We got uh, there was a platformer that you might like called uh, Overwhelm, Joe. Uh, yeah, I I saw it. It didn't really hit me. Okay, fair enough. I I thought that the are you saying that Overwhelm underwhelmed you? Uh you're fired. Um, and you're not a dad. You don't get to make those. I mean, it's it's I definitely can make those jokes. It's definitely cool, like, in concept, but I don't know how to say it. Like, the style, while I understand it's supposed to be that retro 8-bit, it it doesn't feel 8-bit. It feels 6-bit, if that makes sense. My note says 8-bit is generous. Yeah. Like, and that's the part that, like, really bothers me, because I like 8-bit. I like pixel art. I like those style of games, but... If I want to play a platformer that's done in that style, well, there's Axiom Verge. And then I look at this one, which looks like it's trying really hard to be Axiom Verge uh, in sort of that that same platforming manner, but it's just falling short. It, it, this is going to sound really weird, but looking at the art aesthetics from what I saw, it almost looks like it would be at home in a virtual boy, which yeah, that's not a good thing. No. It, again, it would be one more so if you like... If you like the style, you don't necessarily have to think it's complex or, or even well done, but if it's a style you like, you may enjoy it. So anyways, moving on from there, one of the ones that the the moment they, they started talking about it, I was 
immediately sucked right in and it's called Stormland and it is a VR game and you are a robot and it's from Insomniac Games. It is gorgeous and you immediately get this sense that they understand movement in VR because you use a variety of different things like flying using some propulsion from your your boots or your gloves or whatever. There's a few different things that you can do that are intuitive to the game as well as to VR movement, and that's kudos to them. And then there's just these very cool elements of what's going on there and what you're trying to do because you're at points you're you're piecing picking up pieces of other robot pieces to kind of put yourself back together you're dealing with having been what appears to be like out of commission for a while you got moss growing on you when there was an attack you are saving other robots and 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 whatnot and then i found out it's an oculus fucking game (laughs) And I refuse to buy Oculus games or support Oculus games because it's Facebook and that ain't going to happen. So that was too bad because that looked astounding. I would love to play that in the PSVR or eventually on the Vive because everything about it, though, looked spectacular. Then there was Nightcall which is like this neo-noir, yet another cabby thing, almost looks like a visual novel at points, again, with different comic book style and things like that. It looked very cool as well, and it, I kind of find it funny that we're getting a, a few similar games like that, but whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. What's next? Uh, Sable was amazing. Did you either of you see that trailer? I saw it. I don't think so. I definitely watched it a couple times. What does that mean? I, I'm intrigued. Like, yeah. So Open, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. it. It looks gorgeous. This is another one where they were saying that it's not about fighting. Like you are riding around in what looks to be like this. They called it an open world desert exploration, and the art style was very well. They say it's inspired by both French and Belgium comics as well as Studio Ghibli. And you got these very distinct styles throughout that you see kind of thing and the, and the manner in which the animation is done is incredibly unique. And I, I dug it and I just, I like the idea of again, an exploration game where you are doing your questing by speaking to people and different things like that and riding around on on your speeder bike and whatnot, but it's not about combat or leveling. And so the, again, my bold notes for this were very much get like, I'll, I'll definitely be picking this one up. It looked amazing. The art style is really what grabbed me. Like it, it almost reminds me of heavy metal. Like that style of like really sort of almost washed out color palette for the animation, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in on this one. It's, it's going to be owned by me. Yeah. Um, they brought up star citizen. I didn't really listen there. I I've had it with that con. People are still talking about that. Yeah. Though there was not a lot of clapping when they mentioned it. (laughs) Uh, Genesis Alpha 1, where you are, um, it's another space one. You use alien DNA to splice into your crew, too, to make different hybrids and stuff. It kind of felt somewhat doomish, and I'm all right with that. I don't know that I would play necessarily this over Doom, but if you need your Doom fix, this might be up your alley. Some more on Just Cause 4, which we've talked about enough for now. And then there was the new Walking Dead game that they're putting out from Overkill, which looks amazing. Um, It was very, very cool in terms of what we're seeing, but nothing really different enough from other co-op zombie fighting games that I mean it's just that it's in the Walking Dead universe and for me I'm at that stage where with the exception of finishing off Telltale's Walking Dead I really could care less about the Walking Dead universe nowadays so moving right into then 
the final season for Telltale, they did walk, uh, talk about that. The combat is going to be different and unscripted right now, so that kind of sounds interesting and a nice new twist to the tried-and-true Telltale formula that they've been using for so bloody long now. And this, of course, is Clementine traveling with AJ, and they, they quote-unquote, discover a, an old school, and there's no adults there. So it kind of gave me that Lord of the Flies feel, which... Okay, I'd like to see how the what their take is on that. So that'll be fun to see. And of course, it's like they're really pushing this. Like the the possibility is there that if you don't play it right, Clementine is dying. So we'll see how that goes, and whether I buy another Telltale game again. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the uh, procedurally generated uh, Niter, which is a roguelite? Actually, I didn't see that one. Okay. Well, then let's skip right over it. <laughs> uh, what else did we have? Two Point Hospital, which is a Sims game in a hospital. It was cute, but eh, whatever. Didn't really care. Uh, they talked about the uh, Realm Royale. You've been playing that, right? Yeah, actually, I have. Um, it's a lot like of fun. It? You like it? It's a lot of fun. I like the, the concepts that they're throwing into it because while it is a battle royale, it's got some really unique um sort of mechanics to it like when you you die you don't necessarily die like a lot of uh a lot of the battle royale uh, things have this like down mechanic where you get knocked down before you die and your teammates can resurrect you not so much here instead you turn into a magical chicken and have to survive for 30 seconds while clucking madly and running around uh, and if you survive, you get to respawn at wherever you were standing, um, basically at half health and half armor, which is really, really fun. And then if you die, a golden chicken idol uh, gets pushed into, you know, existence for your opponent to sort of grab up. Now, the other cool thing is while you, there are, you know, traditional treasure chests and drops and things like that, that have very fantasy oriented weapons, you have crossbows fantasy sniper rifles, uh, hex hex blasters, which throw out like magical bullets and stuff like that. You can also craft unique class abilities, armor, and skills. Um, and they use your kills as part of your currency. So those idols that you pick up are used to build your legendary weapons. And each class, which is mage, engineer, uh, warrior, assassin, and archer, um once you know, they all have their own unique weapons whether it's a bow a sniper rifle warrior has a magical axe that it can throw uh stuff like that it, it, it's a lot of fun and you find forges to spend your um whatever you've earned from either sharding gear or from kills to make it but the catch is when you're making it everybody in the area is alerted to you can see how long you have left on your countdown for creating it um, and it creates sort of the scenario where you have to sort of survive through that. It's been a lot of fun. I've and and this is like I play Fortnite uh, with my friends and stuff like that. We've been playing a lot more Battle Royale than Fortnite even. Um, and this is just alpha. Like this isn't even the full game yet. Uh, and they just recently did a survey to all of the players asking, you know, very detailed like how does the gunplay feel? How does everything else feel? How do the classes feel? And stuff like that. Um, and then each class has special abilities, too, that they can pick up and sort of exchange or interchange so they can customize your feel for the game. Um, it's it's just a lot of fun. Like, the guys that created Paladins, you did a good job with this, this Battle Royale, man. All right, cool. Did either of you see the trailer for Raptor, Rapture Rejects? No. No. Watch it. <laughs> It is hysterical. You have these two guys in a dorm room, apparently is what it looks like. And the one is this like heavy metal rocker degenerate kind of guy. And the other one is all prim and proper praying before bed. And then the rapture occurs and he looks out the window thinking he's going to be taken because he's been so good his entire life. And he sees the people that are getting taken up appear not to be the nicest people and he looks to where his roommate is who's hitting the ceiling because he's not floating up he's hitting the ceiling and he asks for a little help 
And so he drags him to the window, and it's all of the rejects that get taken up for rapture. So this guy decides, fuck it, <laughs> breaks a bottle and just starts going nuts. And so you have this isometric game thereafter that is just all of the people that used to be good left on the planet fighting against each other. It was fucking hysterical. I cannot wait to play this game. And then lastly, they just talked about Hitman 2. Eh. Last Hitman game I played, I didn't even get through a quarter of it, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I don't know about you guys. Nah. The, the whole franchise didn't do anything for me. I, I, I don't think I've played more than five minutes. All right, then let us move on to Sony's event, which was... Oh, you missed uh, the Don't Starve one. Oh, yeah, I didn't put Don't Starve on there. But by all means, go ahead. Uh, so Don't Starve Hamlet is coming out, which is the next iteration of the Don't Starve and Don't Starve Together, uh, which is new maps. Looks like there's a bunch of city spaces, which is interesting. Uh, way new creatures, living plant monsters, sandworms a la Dune. Uh, it looks like it's going to have all of the same humor and, and gameplay that if you love the first two games, you're going to love of this one as well. Uh, and it's going to be out this year in December. It'll just, I mean... Best way I can describe it, it looks super fucking neat. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. No, I did. I just, again, I'm just trimming some stuff from here because I edited two and a half fucking hours last week. I'm being quick. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, let's move on to Sony, which, as I was saying, is was different this year, and they went with this under-the-tent thing that was very weird and made the sound very bad, but it made it interesting let's put it that way and of course they started with their strongest so marty you said you were going to take this because uh vince's no show so go ahead yeah i'm going to see how the other half lives this week um and talk about sony games and mostly exclusives that i'll need in a playstation to play uh so the it opens up and i think with the the most interesting trailer of a game that of a series that i just refuse to play uh the last of us opens up with uh a wonderful scene at a square dance and our protagonist Ellie ends up kissing, gets kissed by a girl. Uh, and so it's, a, I think it's, I don't know how many uh, girl uh, same sex kisses we've seen um, that are not done for the purposes of like fan service, but like uh, that's not the way I took this one. It was, it was romantic. Very, it wasn't titillating. Yeah, it was romantic uh, to the point of like, I was wearing uh, really bad headphones while I was watching this trailer and it sounded um, like two teenagers kissing, which uh, is not something I ever need to relive, but that's what it reminded me of. And then it gets into some of the most brutal, hold vicious on. combat I have seen ever. Oh, yeah. Hold um, on. If, you, if I can say something. Um, oh, sure. Because we have been seeing a lot more uh, various scenes with, with gay characters in them. However, you guys have probably noticed the same thing that I noticed as well. And what was interesting is that I was following David Gator's comments immediately after this on Twitter. Now, David Gator, for people who don't know, which might be a little surprising, was one of the lead writers for Bioware when Bioware used to be damn good. And he's also written novels. He worked on Dragon Age. He worked on, to some degree on the Mass Effects as well, I believe, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. The man is insanely talented and a good writer. He's also gay and has spoken very eloquently and intelligently about it on especially the Bioware forums when he had to deal with a whole bunch of the shit from idiots when they were introducing gay characters in the Dragon Age games and whatnot. His comment is what's important here because not enough people are saying it, and I think it's important to say it. Yes, it's great that they are putting this in the games. However, we have to address the fact that they're taking the safest possible route and still using a trope that falls upon the male gaze. So the guys are still going to be all right for the most part with seeing two women or two young girls in this case making out. And I say making out, it was just a kiss in this case, but this applies to a lot of games. Uh, they're fine with that, but would not feel nearly the same if it was two men or a trans character and another character or whatever. So they're taking the safest possible route that also 
uh, again, falls on the, the male gaze. So that's the only thing that I would say about sure, that. Sure, if the main character in the game series was a man, I would see that then shifting it to Ellie would make, you know, make those arguments a little more heavy. I don't disagree that it's not safe, but what are you going to do to not be safe with the confines of the story that they're already putting out? Let me oh, like, hold do, on. No, oh, no, no, no. He wasn't bitching about the game and certainly neither am I. And it fits for this game. What I believe I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but what I'm saying as well is, yes, this is great, but we should not be holding up the studio onto too high a pedestal for choosing the easiest possible solution. And yes, that's what the character is, but once again, they wrote the character. So they they defined this a long time ago, and they could have defined it differently if they had wanted to. And this is where I will, in this particular case, disagree a little bit. And that's just because, again, it's a character where I loved Ellie in The First Last of Us. I absolutely loved watching her grow up and everything that happened in that game. And if seeing this like yeah they could have done something different way back when but they didn't and this is the story that they're choosing to tell and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to heap a ton of praise on them i don't want it to seem like i'm like oh they let two girls kiss great fantastic you guys can do no wrong it's not that for me as a pansexual uh it warms my heart to see any of these stories being brought into popular media because it, I think we're just I think we're not understanding each other entirely as well here. And and I'll take the blame for that if I'm not yeah, being sure. clear enough. Again, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not saying this is negative. What I'm saying is that this is not the the end that we need or that we deserve. This is great and I'm um, it's fantastic for everybody to be able to enjoy these stories. However, once again, we need more. We need more, whether it's from them or not. I'm not saying they should have done differently by Ellie, because much like you, I love that character. And I do like that they're going this route with her. I'm just saying, once again, this needs to be applied to more games. Uh, and that let I me, let, let's rack our brains for literally 10 seconds and think, are there any male gay characters in any Naughty Dog games? Right, that's where I thought you were going because resting on the male gaze is the, is an easy way out. Even if it is done tastefully and within the realm of that character, the male gaze is still what's predominant here, and that's that is an aspect of this good thing that is sure. still problematic. And that's all I wanted to say. Again, it was a phenomenal trailer, and as someone who played The Last of Us Part One with my son. This is, we are really looking forward to two, to the point where he has not watched the trailer and wants to know nothing so he can go into it fresh and enjoy it kind of thing. So it was a great trailer. It's just that once again, I think that with all the praise that different studios are getting for doing exactly this, it needs to also be said, hey, great, you did this. You did the safest possible thing for this, but you did something and that's good. But now we need to press onward so that more is done no and that i agree with like i would yeah we we talk about representation mattering it it matters exactly. and it's we'd like to see more of it yeah i I'm, I'm in the same boat um moving on to the other games i'm gonna jump around a little bit to save roger a whole bunch of editing i'm gonna skip over the games that i didn't that were just trailers that were neat but didn't do much for me um Starting with Control, it looks like it's going to be a great puzzle shooter, confusing storyline game, but there wasn't much other than that uh, trailer for uh, during their show. <laughs> You're not skipping that, brother. <laughs> because there okay. was more we afterwards. The Control actually looks really fucking cool. And it's from Remedy, the guys who made Alan Wake and, well, to a lesser degree, Quantum Break. But we really like yeah. Alan Wake. The, the stuff that they're doing here is trippy as fuck i like the fact that it's a play on our reality it's the federal bureau of control and your female protagonist going out and doing this and you're getting all of these abilities and you don't know if it's it's trippy and kind of parallel university or if it's dreams she's having and it's just lucid dreaming because you get little clues here and there that it sounds like oh this might just be a dream that she's having and that's 
she's lucid and in control and doing something through there. And then you have this weird weapon that sounds like it might even be sentient and changes on the fly based on what you need, which is a clever way of working on that trope of having to switch weapons kind of thing. But uh, And then she has abilities she can use as well like that control game even though they didn't show a ton if you watch the other stuff afterwards i had linked one video in our, our show notes channel it actually sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun i get for this is what i get for skipping the uh, bonus content i was i watched the stream and then followed up on the games that i wanted to know more about um There's nothing wrong with that we got plenty of games to go over uh speaking of games i didn't follow up on but i'm a little bit more interested um in a different sense, is Trover saves the Trover saves the world uh, by Justin Rowland. Uh, the demo was uh, done by Bathtub Guy, uh, which was uh, Justin Rowland. For those who don't know, is one is the voice are the voice is the one of the main creative forces behind Rick and Morty, and is the voice of both Rick and Morty and a number of other characters on that show. I believe this game is also in PlayStation VR. It, it came up at the end as one of the VR titles, but I they could be mistaken there. See, uh, I they've already got two other games in VR now, the Rick and Morty game as well as the other one that they've got, Accounting Plus. Um, oh, yeah. I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan, like huge Rick and Morty fan, like most people. It's brilliantly fucking written. But I find that... Everything I've seen for the games, there's literally a like momentary giggle at a few things. But for the most part, it's like, this would get so annoying so fast. And yeah. that's what I got from this as well. I didn't get, oh, this is like Rick and Morty, where it's, again, brilliantly written, but rather just, oh, this is Justin Roiland just being a dick for a while because he's prone to do that. Yeah, uh, like electrocuting bathtub guy. Uh, which yeah. I thought was, I thought it was really funny. Um, someone calls seven one one. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, there is a full Resident Evil two remake, and it looks glorious. Um, not necessarily enough to be one of those games I want to buy a PS four for. But uh, I remember, you know, back in the day, the original Resident Evil. Um, my brother was, I think, still in college, and I may have just started my job working with troubled kids um and i couldn't play the game because it freaked me out too much uh but we were we would all take turns and resident evil one was great and i remember i remember a lot of theory crafting not theory crafting but like what is going on with this game what is what is what's happening and so to see it come back in such a you know taxing the limits of the ps4 looks great um but we've played this game before unless there's like changes in the remake which i'm not sure if there are i don't think there is but i think it's one of those games where an hd remake of any capacity is going to be well received um i mean they just they just did that with chronicles part one and part two which were 3ds games that they you know upscaled redid and you know pushed into hd and you can play it on pc and i think it's out for xbox ps4 and now switch um, they sell. They sell because people like those games. Um, and honestly, an HD recreation of the second game is potentially fantastic. Um, it's just going to depend on how smoothly it runs. Yeah, I am excited about that um, only because uh, there's a remake that I'm going to buy at some way, at some place in time. Uh, like I'm a Final Fantasy VII. That was the game that brought me back to gaming, and I cannot wait to play that. And there's a little bit of news about Final Fantasy VII and its episodic content, but that was not featured in the um, the majority of the E3 notes. So I'm going to skip over that for now. Now getting into the games that I I found amazing. Um, I'm going to start with the game that I find amazing, but for probably wrong reasons. Um, Death Stranding, uh, it reads like a mountain hike to, to, uh, and uh, stacking game simulator with a toenail remover uh, points to it. Like, I get Kojima is a genius, but this game, I don't know what's going on. Um, Norman Reedus, Reedus uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and Guillermo del Toro are part of this genius's game, but 
I, I don't know what's going on. Why is there a baby in an artificial womb that appears to be like more sentient than your average fetus? Like uh, this game is just weird. Can we, I don't know if can I we not play it. call him a genius? He is not a genius. There are, I, so I was trying to find out more stuff about uh, Death Stranding and the, the Arcadia people like him and the, the a number of people calling him a genius. He's a misogynistic I, dev. I, I'm sorry. Like there's, it was funny because there, I didn't, I didn't even watch the death stranding part. I I've seen enough of that game already to know it's utter stupidity. I don't want anything to do with it. And I have no use for him. And what was funny is that on Twitter, there's a, a woman I follow on Twitter who, who writes for like Guild Wars two. And she wrote on, um, on Swotor and other stuff too. And she was saying like, am I the only one that, like, can we not address the fact that he's a misogynist and, like, not just a genius? And it's like, holy fuck, like, I've brought that up time and time again. I do not understand how people can heap this much praise on a man that developed a character that has to strip to live and isn't allowed to speak. Like, it's he, it's unfucking believable So, like, I've got no use for him, no respect either for his work. So that's a not buy for you, I take it. You're not going to get the Norman Redo a mountain simulator game. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And see, for me, it's a, I, I understand that I can appreciate past works while the person themselves are still terrible, but this, I, I just don't have any interest in it. Like it's weird. And like, I like weird, but this is weird beyond that. Like I have my limits and he, this has found it. Like there's one scene in particular that like, I don't get we the he taps he straps on the artificial womb taps on it the baby looks out he's got a strobe light and then we see shadowy figures strands together and the weird like uh oh and don't forget he can't die uh yeah because then like it'll do x y and z and like the weird phrases like you know um your flesh is to live or shake my hand with your spirit like some vaguely like poorly translated, you know, Catholic sayings, I feel. It just, no. Like, this game is weird. I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. And I think people are defending it because they really just like the character that who is Kojima, not necessarily anything about this game. You don't walk away from this game thinking about um, these trailers, thinking about this game is going to do something neat. It's just weird, which is good for some people, but uh, whatevs. Uh, up next, I was actually, oh God, I don't know where I was when the trailer dropped, um, but the trailer dropped for Forsaken, and it was, uh, excuse me, Destiny 2 Forsaken, where Bungie is going to kill Cade 6. I will save this for a different show, um, but, you know, there's, this is going to be one, uh, this is a game that I have to get. So I'm getting it. I understand Activision is is awful. I'm going to give like an equal amount of money to a charity just to cleanse my conscience, but uh, I've already got it. Now let's talk about the games that make me want to buy a PS4. Uh, Ghosts of, of Tsushima. This is my favorite period in Japanese history. Just uh, It's set in uh, 1247 AD on the island of Tsushima during the Mongol invasion. And there's a lot of Japanese folklore and history about this time period. The game is stunning. It's it, it, the color palette. was like, there's just a beautiful combination of muted and then brights. Uh, the the oh, action was smooth. When What's he's, that? when he's in that field at the top at the, the beginning and he looks over and you see the sunshine coming through the clouds over that field on fucking believable holy christ did it ever look good it was so it was so good um and then the the you know fighting the mongols and then the the sword fighting styles looked great uh and then the the sudden but inevitable betrayal that occurs uh with the archer and the monk this just looks fantastic um and there wasn't a lot of talk about it but there is something about this. It's good. You're going to be fighting um, a different style of war against the Mongols. Uh, and so I want this game. Like, 
more than I want Forsaken, I want this game because it just looks so great. And it's literally one of my favorite periods in Japanese history. So I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm assuming both of you guys are on board. It's definitely in my, uh, my wheelhouse. I'm definitely intrigued. I don't know if it'll be a day one purchase for me, um, but I will play it at some point. The only reason it's not going to be a day one for me is just cost. So I even the ones that I'm really, really want to play, it's got to be something that's insane that has to be day one now because it's too bloody expensive. But this is that. This is I cannot wait to play this. So first sale, it's I'm buying it. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, I skipped over a game. Uh, Neo 2, we got a trailer for that. Um I didn't go deep into that game. Did you guys look? It's another samurai game. Another, excuse me, it's a ninja game, Ninjas and Devils. Neo is not just Ninjas and Devils. It's a Souls-like game, which did a pretty good job of uh, incorporating that mythology into sort of that style. Uh, the game, the first game was, was That's cool. absolutely fun and fantastic and well worth playing if you have a PS4. Um, the second one looks like it's going to be more of the same, just better, which is very, very good. That's good. Um, cause yeah, it, it looked great, but I, after I saw, I think it came after the ghost of Tsushima and I was just like, I can't, um, I, the idea though, that it takes a, a souls game and adds builds upon Japanese mythology for that. That's, that's a selling point. Um, however, the game that I did the most research on, the game that I cared about the most, the game that uh, makes me curse buying an Xbox and being in an Xbox family, um, the new Spider-Man game uh, by Insomniac Studios, uh, it looks phenomenal. It looks so good. I don't really care for the new Spider-Man suit. I understand why, uh, for, for aesthetic reasons and for visibility reasons, why you would go with this new suit coloration but uh it's a sinister six game open world marvel game uh combo fighting you know investigation we're gonna get miles morales in this game i am so excited for there's this. I can't so much even. more than what you're even talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh i know right? so polygon uh, played it for an hour and in their article review they basically said like the best part of the game that they got a chance to play with was literally going around the open world of Manhattan and just swinging back and forth and how fluid it felt and how good it felt. The way they're using the spider sense seems so inventive. Um, and it's, and also like the way the fighting style works with the camera being rotating, it also works for Spidey just because given the, you know, spider sense, Joe, what parts am I missing? So, the world is much bigger than we expected. And this is not the typical, this is not standard earth. And the reason that you can say that is because there is going to be a comic book tie-in um, that is also going to take place simultaneously to the game's release. I think it actually comes out a little bit before the game in which there is a reason that this Peter has this costume because it's not the prime earth Peter this is another almost like Spider-Verse sort of like everything's coming together. I think it's like Spider-Pocalypse. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, but Oh, that is the name of the, the upcoming Spider title. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but this game ties directly into that. And that's why you're getting certain things in this game, like the punk rock Spider-Man costume, because that is one of the Spider-Man characters from the comics or Miles Morales being around because that he is present in the comics, the game is going to represent almost an amalgam of that, which I think is really fucking cool. Um, the other yeah. thing, too, is they they shelled out a lot of money for this game. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, where if you want to use the likeness of cities and structures that are iconic or, or identifiable, you have to pay a certain amount. Uh, you want a Big Ben in your game, it's going to cost you. You want the Golden Gate Bridge in your game, it's going to cost you. They paid to almost perfectly recreate New York City. And obviously there's some variants that they had to do, like the trees are taller, buildings are taller, because they needed to have uh, places for Spider-Man to be able to swing and, and locomote um, 
with his mechanics in places that maybe there generally wasn't that tall of a building. Um, but it feels very much like, so I have a lot of friends that live in New York city or that have lived in New York city and a couple of them went to E3 and they got time playing this game, the demo of it. And they immediately said it was immediately recognizable as New York city, not just because you knew you were there, but because of everything else. Um, the level of AI that they're putting into the game has also been ramped up, which I think is really, really cool. Um, they have what they call the dynamic crime system, which is just like you would expect, Ooh. which is the NPC villains, the NPC bad guys will just go do things. They'll go knock over that jewelry store. They'll go rob that convenience store. They'll go perch snatch when they feel like it, just like you would expect to see in the real world uh, or as much as they can with predictive behaviors. Um, and you can choose to go after them as you see fit, which is great, but the people around them react properly. And there are two very distinct scenes that I've seen from gameplay footage that I've watched this game. One is a purse snatcher. I bring this up because I think it is, it is great. And you see a couple people try running after the purse snatcher as other people are like running to get out of the way as this guy is barreling down before Spider-Man comes and grabs him. And it's very interesting because it's not just like Grand Theft Auto where everybody just stands around and just looks at what the fuck's happening. Um, or the high-speed chase that I saw with a delivery truck that was stolen. And you see Spider-Man swinging through, but you can watch the traffic patterns. Now, while Spider-Man's in focus, you see the people rushing to pull over to get out of the way. There's not just random collisions as this thing's barreling through them. They're reacting. The NPCs are reacting to the event that is happening around them. That's really, really cool to me um, because it makes the game feel a little bit more alive, a little more immersive. And I think that's actually really nice. I have one legitimate complaint about this game. That you don't uh, own it yet? No, that's not legitimate. It's not out yet. And I don't have the money to go buy a, a PS4 Pro and play this game in its proper glory. Um, there's a fight scene where you see Spidey throwing a dude off a roof um, because of the because of the webs. Like, I'm sorry, Spidey wouldn't do that. Like, there's very few uh, instances. Shall I count? Shall I counter that with what would happen in a comic book sense, sir? Because there's also where, where he gadget. catches the guy. No, there's a gadget in the game that they show off multiple times where he throws a thing onto an enemy and. X amount of time later, a web shoots out and just pins them to a wall. There's nothing yeah. in the there's nothing that says that that doesn't happen to those people that are magically flying off the building. Um, I well, know that that's a, a lot to say, but I'm just saying like it's still a game. You have to make allowances for that. But they show that he's he's got that stuff built into it, like his base gadgets when you're playing this. So that, sure, I yeah. There's so much detail in there. I wanted that um i don't know what it would expect i i don't does it detract from my desire to purchase a ps4 for this game no so take you know my concern take it with a grain of salt um yeah this is the game for me that uh i am so jazzed for like i have not been so excited for a game because this is something that we've, we've talked about on all comics all the time like, what video game do we want to see? And I'm like, I want an open world, you know, Marvel superhero game. And I am going to get one. And I have to spend a lot of money to get it. Oh, well. I'll, I, now, I will use this as a tax write-off. And some other things to also uh, keep in, in mind, too, for those of you that maybe not are sold completely on this game yet. Uh, Insomniac Games during the entirety of E3 and multiple interviews also confirmed some other cool things. Um, Kingpin's definitely going to be around. We see that Mary Jane Watson's going to be in there as well. Um, Miles Morales, we've already talked about. However, uh, there's going to be some linkage to the Avengers. They haven't specified what or who will show up, uh, but the game goes beyond just the villains we've seen and just the heroes that we've seen. Um, so there is going to be some tie-in to uh, any, like, the Avengers sort of universe around it as well, uh, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so, yeah. This might be niche, um, but I think Silk was mentioned as coming onto the game? Yes, Silk was mentioned as part of one of them as well, as is Spider-Man Noir, uh, which is my yes. one of my favorites. 
Um, ben Riley was also mentioned. Um, we are literally going to get essentially the spider apocalypse of all of the the the, the stable of all of the characters. Um, if so, this is I'll... leading to that, I would be so fucking happy. Like if if the next Spider Man Spider Man Two is actually Spider Verse full-on Spider-Verse, and this is their means of introducing a lot of those different spiders, holy fucking hell, this would be a better... And if they move on from there to the Spider-Apocalypse as the third one, this would mm-hmm. be better than the Batman ones. Like, And that's what everybody's saying. Like, it, it's... Everybody... Like, the combat feels very similar to what Rocksteady did with Batman and sort of how the fast combos and everything's work great. I personally would love to see exactly what you just described, a trilogy of games that move through those... And I, I believe in my core of cores that Insomniac Games can produce a better franchise than any of the Arkham games that Batman had. Yeah. And, and that's not putting down, at least it wasn't for me, that's not putting out those Batman Arkham games because I no. fucking love them. And I know you've played them time and time again. So clearly oh, yeah. you like them too. It's just this has the potential to be better. And in better in so many ways. So yeah. But we do need to move on from there. There was nothing else at Sony that you wanted to cover, cover Marty? There are just two uh, two more VR titles I wanted to cover. Dara Scene, which uh, not much was done other than a trailer, but you're going to play a fairy, and it looks cool. It's by From Software, so I think that's a game worth watching on the radar. There isn't much on it. And also, uh, a VR title that I'm, I'm actually excited about was a Ghost Giant, uh, where you're a giant ghost and there's cute little animals and they're all freaking out that you're around and you're helping them do stuff. It looked so adorable. I loved it. Not enough to buy VR, but definitely enough to be like, this looks like fun. I actually, I picked up uh, just on a a different tangent, just for a moment. um, I, they finally came out with a type of uh, gear VR painter app in PSVR. And I picked it up. It's not the Joe. What's it called again? Um, Dreams? No, no, that's a different one. No, the one for Gear VR that you paint in. You know which one I'm talking about. Oh, God, why can't I think of the name off the top? Like, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of the name. I can't remember the name. Anyways, and there's a similar one finally in PSVR, though I would say it's even stronger uh, in certain aspects. I, I picked it up immediately and tested it. And But the important thing to note here is just that I was incredibly impressed with the visual fidelity of not just what you're painting, but also it does a representation of the, uh, the, the, the move controller in your hand. And, and so you get to see it digitally reproduced and it actually looks fantastic. So a lot of the games that we've seen for PSVR in particular that don't look quite as good, that's not on the hardware. That's actually on the software side. Now, some of that is concessions because of the types of games and different things like that. But the point is just that I'm far more excited for upcoming PSVR titles now because I know that there's going to be a lot more that, quote unquote, get it, that know how to properly uh, code their games for it so that the graphics look this good. So I'm, I'm very much excited for those types of games like what you just described. Okay, how about we move on to Nintendo? And Joe, you're going to take this one. Sure. Now, Nintendo showed a lot, but also not a lot. Uh, Nintendo tends to be very focused in what they show. Um, They showed a brand new Mario Party, which the most fascinating thing about it on the Switch is that it incorporates with multiple Switches in different configurations so that you can change the way the game board looks and interacts, which I think is really, really cool. Um, It's it's almost like building blocks with the switches to play the game, which I think is a really nice touch. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles two is getting a new DLC, which should already be out now. If you have the game, it's a free download, I believe, uh, which introduces uh, a brand new area, brand new blades, brand new NPCs, and actually starts tying into Xenoblade two. Um, it looks like we're finally understanding that the story of Xenoblade Chronicles looks to be a prequel to the original games, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and now this is directly sort of tying into that timeline, which I think is cool. I actually really like Xenoblade Chronicles. I think it's a great game. Um, so I'm happy to see more content. 
from there, we got Fire Emblems, a new game, Three Houses, which will be coming out. Um, it's coming in the spring of 2019, uh, which is going to be the first time a new Fire Emblem game will be available on the Switch. The other one was something that was available on the Wii U before. Uh, so this will be a brand new one altogether. Uh, the big reveal, uh, and also something that puts shame on Sony, uh, is Fortnite is on the Switch. It's free, the Battle Royale. Um, except uh, if you already played Battle Royale on your Sony PlayStation account, uh, you can't use that same account for your Nintendo gameplay at all, ever, period, because Sony won't let you. You can't cross-link cross, cross link it. So that's great. That's a fucking uh, jerk move on their part. Yeah, it's the same thing that they did with um, a bunch of other games, too, that had cross-play already enabled. The code's there. Um, Sony just doesn't want to let you do this. Meanwhile, if you have it registered on your Xbox and through Microsoft and you want to play it on Nintendo, Microsoft said go ahead and vice versa. They don't care. You can just play. They just want you to play games. Um, Hollow Knight finally came out. We didn't have a release date before that, but it was the day of E3. They announced that it was out, so if you haven't played Hollow Knight and you're looking to pick it up on the Switch, now is your time. Uh, please go ahead and do so. Um, we got the Splatoon Octo expansion came out as well, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, but the biggest piece of their equation, as far as I'm concerned, and probably most other people, is that we got more information on the new Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers Ultimate. This is not a port. This is not an upscale. This is, in fact, a brand new game. Not only is it a brand new game, with new levels and everything else, it has a very full roster. And by full roster, I mean every single character that has ever been in a Smash Brothers game in any capacity is in this game. That's 64 characters that you can play and unlock uh, in this game. Not only that, uh, but you also have the return of eight-player battles, uh, online and local, which will be very, very interesting. Uh, and it's really, really cool. Like some of the stuff they're putting in here is just great. Um, so if you've been excited or waiting for it, um, you got a whole lot of stuff there. And not only are the every character that's ever existed, they announced one new character at the end of the uh, presentation, uh, which is Ridley from Metroid. You know, that wonderful boss that is the most annoying boss in every Metroid game you ever play is playable oh God, in Smash yeah. Brothers. It is a character you can play as. Um, so, yeah, and that's really, really cool. And today they actually announced, um, probably about an hour ago as we're recording, uh, that Smash Brothers Ultimate will have a playable demo on the Switch at CEO 2018, which is June 29th through July 1st. So if you're interested to try it out, test it out, and see how it plays, well, you can really, really soon. That's actually really nifty. So, yay, Nintendo. Meh. <laughs> I, like I, I was saying, a few people agreed with me, too. Like, this is great for people who enjoy the games. This is awesome for you guys. The rest of us, we were bored senseless. <laughs> Give me my fucking Pokemons. Well, that'll be coming out in 150 days, Raj. Yeah, but they did uh, show off a little bit more of the Pokemon stuff afterwards in their little treehouse segment or whatever. Holy fuck, does it ever look good. Like, really insane-looking graphics for them, and I love the style. It looked pretty cool. I'm actually, I mean, the thing that I'm most looking forward to is the fact that I can trade my Pokemon from Go into that game. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, yeah, and that was it for them, wasn't it? Yeah, they didn't, like I said, they didn't have a whole lot. It was very focused. Okay, and that was basically it. Now, just as we're tuning out here, did either of you have anything that you wanted to talk about for any of the other games that were previously announced that we got a little bit more information? So, Marty, we'll start with you. Oh, man. Um, no, I spent all day reading about Ghost of Tsushima and uh, Spider-Man. Like, that's pretty much... And I didn't cover half the stuff that Joe was talking about. So... Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Joe. What about you? Uh, not that I. Not that we got more information on, but one surprise for me, I expected more information about Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. 
and there was nothing well, at E3 about it. Hold on. Wasn't there something that just came out not long ago from Rocksteady explaining not why they weren't there, but saying they were working on something and they, whatever, it was kind of like a little apology kind of thing. I thought I read that from them. I think there was, but like take two interactive, which is one of the teams, like they're involved in it as well. Yeah. Like their entire booth didn't have, from what I was reading, any games at all, period. Like it was literally like a little serenity garden in the middle of E3 that you could go and chill at. And that was it. Hmm. Like, I just, I thought that was a really interesting choice and like, I get it. Like, I don't, I don't expect every, there's too many game conventions at this point and too many big events like Gamescom and everything else in between yeah. that you can't have something for all of them because you're just going to be overlapping yourself. Uh, but I just thought it was a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for part two. Thank you very much for joining us. Leave us your thoughts on what were some of your highlights from this year's E3. Obviously you get what we are looking forward to Spider-Man being probably at the top of the list for us as well as well, probably well, cyberpunk 77 Uh, is also pretty high up there for us too. And honestly, beyond good and evil too. That's true. Basically, fuck, there's a lot coming out. (laughs) So check out the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And on Twitter, we are at ForTheLore. Joe is loaders at J. Vince, who's not here, is Simodian. Send him his, some good wishes. He's feeling under the weather, weather. And Marty is Officer Gleason. And with that, we will see you guys next week. The west side of Chicago is the Barron's part of town. But if you go down there and you got the yens, you can hire Bab and Limbs. Now Babs is the muscle, you she stands about eight foot four. And her chummer limbs calls down the spirits, Mr. Johnson just pays their price. And it's Babs, Babs, Babs and Limbs, baddest slots in the whole damn town. Better than a pissed off whiz worm. Meaner than a razor girl. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew.